Welcome to Silicon Valley Momentum, where advisor and author Roland Siebeling talks all things tech startups and brings you interviews with founders across the world. Now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to the Silicon Valley Momentum podcast. My name is Roland Siebeling, and I'm a scale-up ally for tech founders. And today, I'm so excited to be speaking with Milani Meder of Redeem. Hello, Milani. Hello. Nice to be here. Absolutely. So glad you could make it. So for those who haven't heard about Redeem yet, can you tell us all about what does your company do, who does it serve, and what difference are you making in the world? Sure. Redeem is the only agnostic channel manager solution that provides a connectivity platform connecting the supply side of the experiences and things to do industry to the demand side or those that are reselling tickets to theme parks, attractions, tours, etc. Uh, currently, our industry is somewhat fragmented and technically antiquated in the sense that mm-hmm. when a consumer books on an online travel agency or even sometimes direct with the operator, they may be told to print out a paper voucher. They would have mm-hmm. to take that paper voucher to the equivalent of a will call or box office and turn that into a gate readable ticket. Our technology mitigates that entire process and provides real-time connectivity between the operator uh, to those reselling their tickets. The consumer will purchase, transact. That information is then sent back into the operator's ticketing system. So when the consumer receives their confirmation, they can take that, go straight to gate and into, again, the attraction, the theme park, the tour. Oh, wow. So you're basically offering a platform between resellers and let's say theme parks and other events to uh, make it much easier and seamless for these consumers to have the information on their phones, but also for the operators to know how many have been sold and uh, in real time have all the data available. Is that uh, a layman summary? That's exactly right. So when you think about travel in general today, you can book your air ticket on your mobile device. You get your boarding pass. You can go straight through security and straight onto the plane. In the hotel industry, same concept. You can book your hotel on your mobile device. You can check into the hotel on your mobile device, and now you can receive a mobile key to go straight to your room. Mm-hmm. The means technology is helping the experiences and things to do inventory evolve in that manner. So it can be a very seamless process for the consumer. You would be able to book on your mobile device. You would get your confirmation and you would be able to go straight into the experience. Again, theme park, attraction, tour, et cetera. That's awesome. It's such a, you know, digital transformation experience of, of indeed what sounds like a very antiquated system. Do you have some interesting stories, Milani, about some of the messes, let's say, that happen when people haven't gone through that digital transformation yet? So what, uh, what is some of the pains that people are dealing with before they implement a system such as Redeem's? Yeah, you know, from a consumer perspective, it's a very clunky process today. Again, you've booked your air, you've booked your hotel, and now you're in a market and you're you're excited about experiencing that destination. Yet you go to book and you're told to print out a paper voucher. And so mm-hmm. the experience is, you know, very fragmented com- compared to what you just went through in booking other aspects of your travel. Mm-hmm. So really the goal is to make it very seamless for consumers to be in a market and experiencing all that that market has to offer. Mm-hmm. And you know, whether it's going to Disney or the Empire State Building or you know, taking a pizza tour of Brooklyn, you, know, you wanna make it easy to experience that and improve the consumer's travel experience overall. From an operator perspective, mm-hmm. 
you want to be able to get your product in front of as many traveling consumers as possible, right? You want them to be aware of the product, the experience, and the value of attending your tour, going to your theme park, or experiencing your attraction. So from an operator perspective, we make it very easy for you to distribute your product to those that are reselling, whether that's Google, Experian, Expedia.com, buy mm-hmm. a tour. We want to make it easy allow the consumer to book in real time and the operator to be able to maximize their revenue by getting as many consumers in the door and aware of their product as possible. So we mitigate operational strain, we mitigate fraud, and we make it easier for you to distribute your product in a seamless way. Because we're agnostic and we do sit in the middle of the industry, we can essentially work with you know all players, whether you're Walt Disney World or the guy with two kayaks in Hawaii, our mm-hmm. technical solution allows you to engage with consumers, both directly as well as through the reseller community. And then on the reseller side, obviously it's somewhat of a plug and play solution, given the fact that there are 1 million bookable tours and activities, very difficult to acquire that supply as a reseller. So by engaging with Redeem via a bi-directional API, you have the ability to pull all of the supply that we have on our platform in one seamless and efficient manner. Absolutely. So how have you seen through the history of Redeem building up that marketplace on both sides? It's a classical challenge, I would say, for platform companies. Were you first building one side and then trying to come up with the other? Or was it more of an iterative history? How did that work? No, it was an iterative history. Redeem was founded in 2015. And the initial product that we went to market with was a voucher processing platform. So before digitization was evolving in our space, there were still a lot of manual processes that were in place. Mm -hmm. And so we launched a product that allowed the operators to at least recognize a consumer upon arrival and provide reconciliation back to the resellers. Mm -hmm. Prior to a Redeem solution, consumer would arrive with a piece of paper that gave information on their reservation. The operator would look at it and give a gate readable ticket, but then would have to manually process all of those paper vouchers at the end of the day. As you can imagine, not a great use of anyone's time. So the first product was a handheld scanning device that allowed the operator to scan the voucher in real time, verify its validity, mitigate fraud. So you could determine if that voucher had been used previously or not. And then a web portal for reconciliation back to the reseller. So you didn't have to manually process. To me, that was a bit like treating the symptom, but not the disease. Uh, Yeah. It was lack of digitization. And we really needed to evolve the industry to a point to where the operational processes were mitigated. So at the end of 2018, Redeem went through a major evolution and we evolved to offering a pure connectivity platform Mm. by having connections in place with the operators and on the other side of our funnel, uh, connections in place to the resellers, right? You mitigate all of that operational strain, you mitigate the paper component to it. And so it was important for us to build value on both sides of the equation, We are only as meaningful to our resellers on the number of operators we have on our platform and vice versa. We're only as important to the operators based on the number of connections we can offer them for their ticket distribution. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because we entered the market with voucher processing, we were pretty established with both sides. And once the connectivity came into play, you have the ability to very quickly scale on both sides. When we made that major pivot, we brought in an executive team that has extensive experience in building connectivity platforms in travel. And so we were very 
quickly able to iterate the business and ensure value was increasing at a significant rate on both sides of our platform. I love it. Yeah, that brings us back a little bit to that team and the uh, upskilling of the executive team that you uh, started, I believe, around that big pivot or upgrade in 2018. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, I think you yourself came in as a uh, successor CEO. Is that right? That is uh, right. So uh, yeah, exactly. So I'd love, I'd love to hear a little bit that evolution. What does it feel like to take over a startup founded by, by somebody else and then to bring in that new team? How did that go? Yeah, no, thank you. I was not the founding CEO. I was brought in by our board of directors and some of our investors who had previously been in my network. Mm -hmm. My background is almost extensively in travel. I've been in this industry a really long time, mostly on the hospitality and online travel side. And I've seen and been part of that evolution where we went from faxing reservations to hotels to a (laughs) fully digitized ecosystem. And so a little bit of a been there, done that scenario. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's exactly what we're doing on the experiences side of the space. And so, you know, I think there was a recognition that we needed to have someone with experience going through that evolution, that growth and, you know, continuing to focus on product evolution, that you're not just meeting the needs of where the industry is today, but you're building technology that will be at the forefront five years from now, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was brought in based on that experience, you know, taking over from founders, you get excited about their passion and vision was when the company started and it's your responsibility to kind of take that passion and harness it and really look at evolving the company and transforming it in the way that's going to have it meet its growth expectations. That kind of essentially is my background is transformation, you know, product evolution and, and change agent, so to speak. So when you, take on that responsibility and you take on that goal, you need to make sure that you have the people around you that have the experience in doing that, right? So both on the sales side, selling new products, on the technology side, specifically bringing people in who have experience building connectivity platforms in travel is going to be paramount if your goal is to build a best-in-class solution. Mm-hmm. And that is ultimately our goal at Redeem is to put very high-quality technology in place that's sustainable, that is iterative, and continues to exceed industry demands. And so we did. We rebuilt our executive team. We brought in our CTO who had 25 years experience in building mm-hmm. connectivity and travel. Our head of business development had 15, 16 years in business development for connectivity solutions and travel. Our head of sales, extensive experience in selling technology and distribution to experiences. And honestly, in marketing, bringing in somebody who was a senior content writer for Focusrite, who has experience marketing content for travel, right? Right. So you know, we went through the process. We were very selective about what we wanted to bring in. We wanted to make sure we had experts in place and we did that. And honestly, that was a major contributor to our growth. Oh yeah. That's awesome. I think the question I often get from founders is when we do bring in those experienced people, are they not going to want to run it more like a really big company, maybe like a big bureaucracy is the fear you often hear. Uh, How have you been able to manage that fear that risk maybe that it would turn into too bureaucratic an organization too soon how would you keep that zeal of that startup alive yeah you know it's really important to allocate time and energy to your culture right Mm -hmm. culture is going to dictate you know how the former founders versus the new team work together and really Mm -hmm. about creating a culture that's 
open, that's inclusive, that, you know, allows for discussions that are respectful and healthy and challenging. And you need to have a culture that aligns with that, right? The goal of a CEO, regardless of your founder or taking over, is to bring in the experts and allow them to have a voice yes. and to respect that voice and not to feel like it's your responsibility to set the direction, really. It's a collective responsibility of the organization, inclusive of everyone, every employee, you know, every executive to really align and figure out what the mission is moving forward. Um, and that takes a lot of time and energy, but it's critical to an organization. Again, it's critical to the morale of the employees. It's critical to making sure everybody is on the same page, working to the same goal. And with that, it's really important to have a diverse workforce, right? Okay. Whether it's race, age, experience, gender, all yep. of that matters when it comes to formulating who you are, who you want to be to your partners, who you want to be externally, how you want to be perceived, and honestly, what your working environment should look like. I love it. Yes, I think those two points are so important. And I don't know, I see a lot of CEOs that feel like it's their role to set all of that direction, or they may be fearful of too diverse a workforce, too many people that aren't just like them. Did you have that fear in the past yourself and or did you overcome it at some point in time? You know, I think when anyone starts in their career, there's a certain ego that comes into play. That's just the reality of it. But as a leader, it's really important to evolve your leadership skills. And part of that is emotional intelligence and recognizing that you aren't the expert in every area mm -hmm. and that you intentionally hire people that are smarter than you yeah. and better than you in certain aspects of the business. And for you to go through the effort of finding the best in class team, bringing them on and not allowing them to have a voice is probably one of the single most detrimental qualities to an effective leader. Mm -hmm. And so, no, I don't pretend that I should be the one setting the strategy. I hired the team for a reason. And the reason yeah. was their experience, their voice. And it's a collective responsibility to figure out what your mission is, what your vision is, and how you want to be operationally and what excellence looks like. Right. Mm -hmm. And then once that's been established, we're all supportive of it. And that's what we drive and strive for every day. Very good. Very good. A lot of startup CEOs that I work with do have trouble with that last point you brought up, like defining what excellence looks like. They tell me, you know, I'd like to make sure that my people are motivated. I'd like to encourage them, build them up. But at the same time, sometimes I'm not just quite happy with their performance. How do you balance those two concerns? You know, leadership is not a one size fits all. Meaning, you know, what motivates people is personal to them, right? Yep. What motivates me is going to be very different than what motivates you. And as a leader, it's really important to understand those nuances by person. And someone in my career once told me it's equally important for you to manage your boss as it mm -hmm. is them to manage you. And what that statement meant was you need to let your boss know what works for you, what motivates you, what excites mm -hmm. you. So they can manage to it. So you can have a very effective and open relationship. I also think it's really important in a culture to allow people to have that voice. And even if it's a conflicting perspective or you don't necessarily agree, they should have a safe and comfortable and reassuring environment that allows them to speak up without you know, concern of negative impact. And I think, honestly, fundamentally in a culture, that's pretty critical. Yep. And so, you know, that's something that evolves over time. Again, when you first start in your career, there's a certain ego that comes into play. Mm. You have to daily work on 
suppressing the ego, not having that be a play, that emotional intelligence that comes in and learning from others. Again, we may be the CEO, but that doesn't mean we're the expert in all areas. You talked about the diversity of your team, but you know, one of your team members seems very diverse to me. This is the chicken that I see standing right behind you. Can you tell us a little bit about Hey Hey? Hey, hey. So I I do have a chicken on my desk in my office. I call it my office mascot. Honestly, here's why it came about. Walt Disney World is a big partner of ours. And I always like to show support for partners, not just in the technology that we deliver, but, you know, who they mean to the industry, who they mean to consumers. And the chicken is Hey, Hey from the movie Moana, which has Mm -hmm. a special place in my heart because I'm from Hawaii. Mm. And I put it there. So when I started to have calls with Disney, they could see the show of support in the background. And honestly, it's become such a fan favorite. It's now a permanent fixture. That's awesome. Did you change your logo already to incorporate Hey, Hey? (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Okay. Well, that might be a tip for the marketing team. Okay, so as we have some listeners here on this podcast who might be interested, what kind of people are you looking for? What's the typical ideal redeemer, if that's the word you use? And what kind of values do you typically look for? And also what functions are you particularly looking to fill? You know, we value integrity, we value passion, we value experience, but you know, that's not the first and foremost thing that we look for. It's a quality of person that's going to align with our mission and our values. So being dedicated, obviously hardworking, being open, being a great team player, operating with integrity, you know, having a voice and feeling comfortable, you know, voicing your thoughts, your opinions. We look for personal qualities to start almost more so than experience because Mm -hmm. You can mold people on a specific skill set. You can't necessarily mold someone to have passion. Right. <laughs> you can be necessarily a good team player. So, you know, we look first and foremost for qualities. We look first and foremost, we want diversity within our organization. We can help mold the experience. I, I'm also a firm believer that we hire for talent, not necessarily location. Okay. Um, so we have a very global workforce and that is intentional because again, we want different cultural perspectives. We want global views. And so, you know, we'll be looking for additional engineers, additional product team members, additional customer success participants, additional account managers, and additional sales. We'll start with engineering and product and customer success, and then we'll evolve from the account management and sales perspective. Excellent. Okay. Uh, So global workforce, does that mean you've embraced a remote work style in this pandemic or were you already on that before? You know, we had a pretty remote workforce. Our headquarters was in Boulder, Colorado, but we have teams in the Ukraine, in Russia, in London, in Texas, in (laughs) Delaware, in Phoenix. So we were pretty remote. About 40% of our organization was in Boulder, as everyone did. When COVID hit, we did shut down our office in early March. We wanted to protect the safety of our employees. And ultimately, what we found is we really didn't see a decrease in culture and engagement in productivity. Activity. And so we actually permanently closed our office in Boulder for the time being. Good. And now we have a hundred percent remote workforce. And with that, it takes effort, right? It takes mm-hmm. effort to maintain your culture. It takes effort to maintain that inclusivity. And so we spend a lot of time and energy making sure that our employees feel connected and they feel part of something larger that they're not isolated within their home office. And so we do take a lot of time and effort to make sure that we continue the culture and engagement on all levels. 
what have been some of the, the most important fixes you did or improvements you made to really embrace that remote culture and make it as successful as an in-office uh, culture? Yeah, you know, a couple of things. We do a video call with every employee every Monday morning where we talk about highlights of the business. We celebrate our successes. Candidly, we celebrate our failures because mm -hmm. we feel like they're learning opportunities for the, yep. in, you know, the industry and an organization to improve. Those have become very meaningful to the organization. We'll sometimes bring in outside speakers to those. So they're not always just hearing from me. We talk awesome. about, you know, trends we're seeing in the industry. We're talking about feedback from partners. We're talking about you know, new technology that's coming up. We often do game days where we play games online together. We do theme parties where people get to dress up and um, have some fun. We do videos where you bring a plus one. So not awesome. only do we get to know you from a, pers um, a, a professional perspective, but we also get to know about you a little bit more personally. And so you can bring, you know, your spouse, your dog, your kids, <laughs> whatever. Even your chicken if you want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I love yeah, that. That's actually the first I heard of a company uh, adding plus ones to remote meetings. That's a, that's a great idea. I love it. And uh, you know, so many people are looking for new tips, right, to make the remote culture work. Well, that's it. And the the more you know about something, someone personally, the more the, a better team player you can become. Right. Because yes. again, you know what's important to them. You know what they're passionate about. And it doesn't always just have to be about the work. Mm -hmm. um, so when you know more about people personally, you engage with them on a deeper level. And that's really important to our culture. Okay, excellent. So as a closing question, Milani, once travel does rebound or we can all travel again where we would like, what's your first big trip on the agenda? I have two, to be honest with you. I'm very homesick at the moment. So oh. I may get back home to Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, so I will definitely be doing that when it's safe to travel again. And honestly, I want to get out and spend time with our partners again. I desperately miss that face-to-face -face engagement. And while video conferences you know, can be meaningful, I do want to get out and work with our partners to understand what challenges are in front of them and to figure out how we can you know, deepen the partnership, offer better solutions, and really support them in their growth. So what that means is probably an around the world trip <laughs> to <laughs> some of our key destinations to, to spend some time with our key partners. I see your strategy. You're just getting travel to rebound all by yourself, right? A solo <laughs> effort. It's really good. I love it's it. It's possible. Okay. Uh, any listeners who would like to figure out more about a Redeem, where should they go and what should they download? Yeah, you know, we have a pretty comprehensive website when it comes to content. So obviously www.redeem.com and Redeem is spelled R-E-D-E-A-M. Yep. Um, in the About Us section, we have a ton of educational content that would be meaningful to learn a little bit more, not only about the products that Redeem offers, but the trends we're seeing in the industry. There's a lot of educational sources there to help people understand why digitization in our space is so critical. And then, you know, from an investment or just executive standpoint, I'm happy to entertain any questions at Milani at Redeem.com. Yes. And of course, if you'd prefer to work through an intro, I'm also happy if you know me already to provide the introduction to Milani. So thank you so much. Hey, hey, and uh, Milani Matter of Redeem. It was a pleasure to have you both on the podcast uh, this My time. Pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. I think I'm supposed to say mahalo nui loa. Is that yeah. correct? Very well done. Very <laughs> thank well you very, done. thank you very much. Uh, this was an absolute pleasure, and we're looking forward to having more CEOs again on the podcast next week. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.
like what you heard, subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Tune in next time for more tech news and interviews with some of the brightest minds in tech today.